It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today we establish a loser's punishment for the worst gambler on the show. Yeah, speaking of, Luke Emmons, Superior Sports Talk, ready to get back in the green with my gambling picks this week. Yeah, Rebusson, uh Pro Football Network. Now I'll finally be motivated to stop losing. <laughs> Luke Braun still gallivanting in London. So this is our crew today on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. Plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in, it's the Minnesota Football Party. Sam Ekstrom. I'm on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom of the Ron Johnson Show and Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Luke Inman of Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson every day on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. He's at Luke underscore Spinman and Arif Hassan fresh off his London sojourn. He's back at Arif Hassan NFL of Pro Football Network. Jet lag treating you pretty well Arif from the looks of it. You're looking healthy. You're looking awake today. It turns out if you don't sleep, jet lag doesn't matter. So I'm good. <laughs> it works. You weren't. You've been you training weren't your whole life logs like Christian saw on the plane back there. <laughs> yeah, and I was. I was not a team liability to the rest on the JetBlue flight. Should we just spend the whole show breaking down that like 90 seconds of Kirk Cousins talking about Christian Darisaw on the plane, wearing his chain, him snoring? Dar his obsessed with Darisad, like his stat on the scoreboard. Uh, it said that he was a first baseman in Little League. Just the crime dog. He's very interested. Crime dog. CD. Yeah, he, he, he loves it. We, and we how, also got, how? Yeah, go ahead. We also got quotes from other players on how how deeply mm -hmm. he was snoring. This must have been mm -hmm. awful. But but just how empowered uh, Kirk looked, and and you could just tell just how, just yeah. having a good time talking about that chain there, man. I would love to see maybe in the offseason the offensive line or something gets him a cool present like that. His first time wearing jewelry ever, so that was that was a big moment for him. They don't uh, have jewelry. Today, at Kohl's? He has a ring, right? I would imagine <laughs> not all yeah. jewelry, right? No, fair fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think he wears one of those like rubber, like athletic, athletic wedding yeah, rings. I, know, I would count that as playing. jewelry, though. I would count yeah. that as jewelry. Okay. All right. Today on the Minnesota Football Party, Ron Johnson, of course, joins later for his Thursday appearance. We've got a fill-in-the-blank segment. We rank the top four most impressive Vikings so far this season, and we gamble. Luke Braun has shipped in his picks from England where he remains and will return someday, maybe. And we might get a surprise call on the hotline here momentarily. I don't want to say who, and I don't want to say where they are, because knowing this person, it may or may not happen. Uh, but we start, <laughs> we start with the Vikings in the NFC. The Minnesota Vikings are the two-seed, fellas. The two-seed. Now, that doesn't mean home field anymore. It used to. It doesn't anymore. But where do the Minnesota Vikings stand in a thoroughly mediocre NFC where there really isn't any team that's running away from the pack except maybe the Philadelphia Eagles? So how do you stack up this Minnesota Vikings team, Luke, in a congested, very average conference so far? Yeah, well, well, taking a step back, I look at the NFC North specifically so far. I think it's exactly where we have them before the season started. In fact, probably the entire division is playing out just like we thought it would, to be honest. Bears offense stinks, but they've stolen a couple wins thanks to a super soft schedule. Lions aren't winning, but they're fun to watch, getting more and more competitive. And Vikes just, I think they, they are who we thought they would be, winning games, competing with that roster Kwesi and KOC were given. I still think behind the Packers from a national expert standpoint, point until people see Aaron Rodgers prove them wrong 
I think Rodgers, it's hard not to be the favorite uh, when you look at the Packers. But so far, Vikes saying stride for stride with them. And I think making it probably even a little bit more competitive race uh, for the division specifically than maybe people would have imagined heading into the year. The NFC as a whole, though, we knew the AFC was the powerhouse. The NFC, probably a little bit lackluster. They're taking a step back from what we've seen and what we've been used to over the last decade. And I think you're seeing the teams like the Rams, who are the powerhouse, the Bucks, who are the powerhouse the last two, three years. They're regressing back to the mean a little bit too. So yeah, this conference is wide open. Vikes, Probably still in that second tier, though, right now, Sam. I think national experts want to see them prove how consistent they can be and how many uh, good teams they can beat. Because when you look at the litmus test, um, you know, week one, they kind of caught the Packers maybe still trying to find their stride. They were down three offensive linemen. But against the Eagles on Monday Night Football, obviously we know how that turned out. So wide open NFC this year for sure, um, but still probably in that second tier, but still right in the mix. So regardless of record, Arif, who would you put above the Vikings at this point? Uh, it kind of depends on on health, right? So, for example, the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott, I'd put above the Vikings, but with Cooper Rush, I wouldn't. I guess you know, despite the history the Vikings have with Cooper Rush, uh, but you know, if we're we're going to take the teams currently as constructed, you know, I would definitely obviously take the Eagles. I think I would take the Buccaneers with or without Godwin. Obviously, they're going to be a lot better with him. I would definitely take uh, that Forty ers team with Garoppolo. They're doing really well. Um, and then after that, in the NFC, that that becomes really difficult, right? You know, a lot of people really like how Geno Smith is playing in Seattle. I just don't know if that complete team is one that I would take over the Vikings in a neutral environment. And hey, outside of Week One, you might you might put Green Bay above Minnesota as well. I mean, they have not been playing lights out football like we're used to seeing, but I think they're a little bit of a better team, and they will be a better team kind of going forward. So that's kind of where you're at. And when you have so few teams to kind of put them definitively above, then, yeah, I think it makes sense to think of the Vikings as a, as a tier two team within the conference. But in my brain, I can only think, hey, this is a three and one team playing kind of like an eight, eight and one team. Um, so to me, that's like a tier three just inherently. So I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird conference. It is a weird conference. I think that probably should give Vikings fans a little optimism that, oh, we're really not that far off of the standard of play in our conference right now. We've been winning sloppily. Uh, so have the Giants. So have the Cowboys. So have the Packers. There's a lot of teams right now, and their fan bases and their podcasters on the Green Bay football party, they're talking about how unsustainable their method of winning is. And the, the Cowboys are saying the same thing on the Dallas football party, right? Um, and the Vikings, I think, are right in that mix. The Eagles are the only team that's been really convincing about anything. I'd say the NFC West kind of cannibalizing itself um, and the Rams not playing up to snuff. The 49ers obviously had the quarterback change early, and they, they might be kind of back where they were last year and maybe actually upgraded in that change. Um, and then the Cardinals, you don't really know what to expect. So there are, there are very few sure things in this conference, and it just strikes me, Luke, that this is going to be about treading water, staying alive, trying to stay kind of above your division, above the Packers. And then if you're healthy and if you can peak in December, that's when the elites will rise. If you can just basically survive until then and win the games you need to win. Yeah, and I think that's why this first quarter of the season has been kind of best-case scenario because clearly they're not playing their best football. You're hoping this offense will start clicking. You're hoping Ed Donatel will start making a few adjustments and that defense will continue to get better. But we knew they probably wouldn't hit the ground running. But saying all that, they've still won some games. So winning the games you're supposed to, starting in the division with uh, obviously games like this Sunday coming up, Bears, the Lions again, the Packers again. And then, you know, maybe if you can steal one of these tough games, you know, you've got Miami on the road, we'll see. Don't expect Tua to play. You got the Teddy revenge game factor going on at Buffalo. I believe that's week 11. A short week, Thanksgiving Thursday game against Bill Belichick. That's not going to be a gimme. So maybe stealing one of those games in there too um, that, that, you know, I think national experts or when you look at the Vegas lines, don't expect you to win. Uh, you're right, treading water, but continuing to get better in, in, in both those phases, offensively and defensively, is going to be kind of the catalyst as far as how far they can go, um, you know, once you get into November and December. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a little fill-in-the-blank game to play, but I just want to remind people that you can like, comment, and subscribe 
on this video. It helps other people find the show, and you can get all the Locked On Sports Minnesota content notified straight to you. Uh, Locked On Sports Minnesota has Ron Johnson, Superior Sports Talk, Minnesota Football Party, and the post-game postcasts. Uh, myself and Luke Braun covering the Vikings there. And we are brought to you by BetOnline.net today, your number one source for football uh, football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles on every game you can find. NCAA football, NFL football, MLB playoffs, and the NBA regular season coming up. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and event, events. BetOnline.net. Use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline. Where the game starts, Vikings are favored by seven against the Bears on Sunday, over under 44, our gambling segment also to come. But guys, how about some fill in the blank? I've got three prompts. Arif, you can start. If Justin Fields was your team's quarterback, you would be blank. Terrified? <laughs> I mean, not just because he's playing poorly, uh, but because I've, I've got no idea what to do with him, right? Because, uh, you know, he clearly has been let down by the supporting cast of the Bears, and that's probably played a role in, in how, how poorly he's playing. So I have no idea what kind of quarterback he is, and, and uh, uncertainty is scary to me. Luke? Yeah, yeah, terrified is probably the right word. I, I, I take a step back and I say, if Justin Fields was my quarterback, I would have surrounded him with as much offensive talent as I could. We know when Ryan Poles was brought in, they didn't do the Quasi rebuild and keep a lot of core guys. They just stripped the whole thing down, bare bones and all. And the problem I have with that is the effect it's had on Justin Fields and his development specifically, because you mortgage so much capital to move up and go get him into the top, what, 12. You gave away what would have been a top 10 pick this draft. Jets used on Gary. Garrett Wilson. I mean, how nice does that sound right now? But just zero talent around him. You've got a number three kind of wide receiver as your number one. You got a fifth round pick starting at left tackle and just not much to feel good about, I guess, if you're a Bears fan who's, you know, they've accepted they're in rebuild mode. Like, that's fine, but hard to swallow what you're doing for Fields and his progression in the meantime. I think Traquan Brisker and like Kyle Gordon could end up being really good players. I get that. But if it was me, I look at those offensive players they passed on, whether it's like a weapon like George Pickens or Alec Pierce or even just better protection like Cam Jurgens, who Philly picked in the second round, Luke Gadecki. Uh, I just would have done everything I could have to help his development by surrounding him with weapons earlier rather than building that defense first like they've done. Yeah, the Bears are in a weird spot. Like if you compare them to the Lions – the Lions kind of had the stopgap quarterback to just kind of keep the seat warm while they rebuilt around him. They've got the young quarterback, and they're going to get to a point where they rebuilt so hard that they just don't know what they have in the quarterback until the rebuild is, like, you know, into Fields' third year. My film, the blank, if Justin Fields was my quarterback, I would be clinging to the Jalen Hurts trajectory. Jalen Hurts, terrible in his first year debut, 52% passer, then up to 61% in his second year, and they figured out how to use his legs. And then they got weapons around him in the third year. So if this is the year where they figure out how to use Justin Fields physically and maybe start to see some improvement in the passing toward the end of the year, then they invest in the weapons in year three. Maybe, just maybe, he can be on that Jalen Hurts trajectory because for Hertz it was a very linear progression from year one to year two to year three and here we are they're the best in the NFC I'm not saying Justin Fields is that but I'm saying if he if I was a fan of the Bears that would be the only way I could sleep at night is if I could look at these other year three quarterbacks and say okay we're not completely toast but we probably are I mean let's be honest film the blank prompt number two if Ed Ingram is the best draft pick so far in 2022 for the Vikings. The second best draft pick is Luke Inman. Probably a Caleb Evans. I mean, he's played the most, so him by default, but you know, Brian Osamo has been really good on special teams. I still think once he gets in, maybe some, some packages or third down looks, he'll be fun to watch in the end though. I still think when it's all said and done, Boot Jr. is the most talented. If he can just stay healthy, I think he'll be hands down the best of the bunch. Hopefully we see him suit up this week versus the Bears. 
But don't forget about Ryan Wright now. He's He's been a sneaky uh, rookie for them, too. Uh, Reggie brought him up on the Superior Sports uh, talk show today. Yeah. And just the guts, you know, it takes to cut the veteran Jordan Berry, your role with the rookie. Matt Daniels looking like a genius right now. Um, don't forget about Ryan Wright. He's been good, too. Find a significant other who loves you the way Luke loves Andrew Booth Jr. I mean, seriously. Honestly. Honestly. He's a, he's, he's a fan. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> planted his flag i love him uh for me I, it's so tough for me to say ed ingram is the best draft pick even right <laughs> like like he, like obviously he's seeing the field really consistently which you know no one else is uh, in that draft class but he's playing so poorly that honestly like it, it may have been better to draft a worse player so the vikings wouldn't have been motivated to to trade jesse davis right like maybe he would have been a better spot uh, but, uh, you know, if we assume that the guy getting all the snaps is, is a great pick, and if we kind of exclude, you know, Lewisine from the equation because of what happened, um, I'm going to say that rookie year, it's a Caleb Evans. But I, I think that from what we've seen so far in terms of where they could go, I'm going to agree with Luke. I think Andrew Booth Jr. Um, is the best overall draft pick for um, kind of the next couple of years. But in terms of what we've seen thus far, uh, and, and their performance, I'm going to go with the Caleb Evans, who's actually been all right in, in kind of the, mm -hmm. the limited defensive snaps that he's had. Has he? Five receptions, 32 coverage snaps? I don't know, Arif. I'm just I mean, trying to be... statistically, it's not great, but, I mean, you were defending, uh, what's his name, Cameron Dancer, right? Statistically, it was... <clears throat> Pro Football Focus loved him, right? Uh, just in terms of the mm -hmm. grade, but the grade and the stats don't always line up. Yeah, I was just going to contest you because I didn't want to get tricked into going with the Caleb Evans because of recency <laughs> bias. I think Brian Asamoa is the right answer. Like he looks like fun. he looks like he's got the most raw talent easily. Looked amazing in the preseason and feels like he's fairly underutilized at this point, which leads me to my final fill in the blank. The most underutilized Viking is <laughs> who? Arif, who is it? Uh, it's got to be Jalen Naylor, right? I mean, was it 20 yards per, <laughs> per target? No. Uh... <laughs> yards per route run off the charts. Jalen Naylor ratio. Come on, bring it in. Mike Tice, bring it in. <laughs> um, I, I guess if I were to uh, to pick a guy, I mean, it would be fun if the answer was Jalen Rager. I don't think that that's the case. I think you could make a pretty good case for uh, somebody like Brian Esmo, given how Jordan Hicks is playing. Um, but I think... I think it might be Kenny Longo. I want to see. I want to see more of that explosive running that you can get from having, uh, you know, these these four two four three running backs on the field, especially now that Dalvin Cook is a little banged up. I guess he's not on the injury report, but you know, we know the deal. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that you brought him up. I think we're still all waiting for, you know, KOC to start sprinkling some of these other running backs in different packages. Uh, you brought up Ryan Asamoah. Again, I'd like to see him maybe third downs or sub packages. I think Jordan Hicks is, you know, as good as he is at tackling, maybe in first or second down, somewhat of a liability in coverage. I think that's fair to say thus far. And I, I just think Asamoah, you called it out, Sam, the speed coming out of Oklahoma was why you like this guy, why you moved up and drafted him, getting more speed on the field especially on third down, try to get him in the backfield, get after the passer. I think we're all ready to see it. K.J. Osborne would be another one for me. As much as uh, 11 personnel that they run, we haven't really seen that 5-6 target game for Osborne yet. He's came up clutch a few times for them. We know what he can do. But what about the other three and a half quarters? I'd like to see them exploit that extra attention on J.J. a little bit more and give K.J. some more looks on those chunk plays downfield because I think the looks are there. I think he's been doing a good job of getting open. Good answers, good answers. It's time for Sam to draw a picture. So this is the number of offensive snaps that Kenne has played this year. You see that? Oh, so by default, I'm to, right. Okay. Do I need to turn it? What is that, a tire? So, so it sounds like he's extremely underutilized. Wow. Incredible. Zero offensive snaps in four weeks. I could live with it if it was five if they found a couple of gadget plays for him if it was 10 if he was just on the field for two series yeah zero uh, or or if you know guy? dalvin has had been more productive it'd be easier to say well you know i gotta roll with the right hand. yeah it's that's like part of it too but, right yeah but dalvin just you know has has i think his most explosive play of the season we talked about this today in the spears virtual 16 yards 
Uh, he's only caught 47 receiving yards, so he's only averaging as many looks as he's getting in the passing game. He's averaging like 10 yards receiving per game, too. So the expl- he, we know he's that kind of boomer bust runner. You wait for him to just bust that long one. Obviously, he got tripped up, should have been a penalty versus the Saints. But still, your longest, most explosive play of the season is only 16 yards. Uh, all the more reason to start seeing guys like Kenny Nwangu and Madison and maybe even Ty Chandler. But I'm glad you guys went with Kenny. That was a good one. Let's do a little rank them. Let's rank the most impressive Vikings so far this season. Because I'm not sure it's the usual suspects. I'm not sure it's a Kendricks or a Harrison Smith or a Daniil Hunter, uh, Kirk Cousins. Like, I think that there are some kind of unsung heroes in this mix. I'm curious if you guys could just gut reaction. Give me number one on your list. Who would it be? I, I think Jefferson. we'll all roll with, right. with with JJ number one, right? And then, you know, two, three, and four. Top of my head, I think Christian Derrissaw needs to be in there. I'll go with him. Number two, Dalvin Tomlinson and Harrison Phillips, maybe three and four. I mean, these trenches have been so good. This offensive line may be the best unit of the team thus far. And obviously, Brian O'Neill, maybe an honorable mention for me, would be number five. But JJ, Derrissaw, Dalvin, and Harrison Phillips would be my top four. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think JJ's I mean, in the top four, but on the JJ curve, like, mm-hmm, is he number yeah. one? Would be my question. He's definitely in the top. Oh yeah, if if we're if we're adjusting for like our internal expectations of who the the player is, um, yeah, I mean JJ would not end up being number one because you know we we expect him to get like a hundred yards every game, and he's only done that two two of these games. He's only like 50 he's only influenced yards. two games in a major way. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I mean, if we're if we're if we're doing that, I mean, Christian Darius, I think, is at the t- at the top of that list. I mean, the way that he's played, especially because they split him out on his own, right? Like when you watch, mm. you know, the end zone view, he's like on like actually on an island sometimes yeah. against these edge rushers. Uh, he gets no help, and he's doing a, a pretty fantastic job. I think Dalvin Tomlinson again, controlling for internal expectations, like Luke said is up there. He's been doing a little bit more rushing the passer than I think a lot of us expected, um, especially against, um, I know this sounds like uh, complimenting with, um, or damning with faint praise, but um, genuinely when he sees an, an, a, a, a below average guard, he wrecks them, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's so fun. It's like, a, it's a really good litmus test. Uh, above that, he's he's a pretty good player, but he doesn't like absolutely dominate. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, Cameron Dancer, I just, I wish, I wish he didn't make so many mistakes. <laughs> Because his mm-hmm. good plays are so good. You wish you would have so hold, held on to that interception, too. It just would have been easier right. to kind of get, yeah. you know, back behind him a little bit more. But you're right. Just up and down. But when it's good, it's great. And then yeah. when it's bad, it's just like, man, I don't know how long Oh, we and then Ryan Wright. Yeah, put Ryan yeah, Wright on that list. Go. Ryan Wright, Ryan Wright is a sneaky entry. I love it. Sneaky love entry. It. Yeah. He's ninth <laughs> PFF punter, fourth in net punt yardage. He had a pass completion. He's right. got like he's yeah. third in inside the twenty. Yeah, his hang time is top ten. He's been really good. I love Ryan Wright. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, tenth ranked defensive tackle on PFF, seems to take to the three four. Darisaw, I had. He's the eighth PFF tackle, and he's allowed no sacks. And check out the top five in receiving yards too. I mean, usually the guys you expect, there's not always like direct correlation between the top receivers in football and the top, you know, guys in yards. Look at the top five. Tyreek, Diggs, Brown, Cup, and Jefferson. Like, exactly who you would expect. I think Devontae is, like, seven. Yeah. It's, like, just a who's who of who's good. So, do we disagree at all? It's Dalvin, it's Wright, it's Derisaw, it's Jefferson. Anyone else going to enter that top four? Uh, I, mean, I think they're kind Craig of the clear Joseph, cut again. Right. Brian O'Neill, maybe honorable mention there. Um, yeah. But and Ryan Wright, you know, it's fun. But um, no, I I think we're all in agreement there. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of tells me that there's not that many big performers on this Vikings team so far. No one has blown you away. They're either playing like to your low expectations, or they're like maybe underachieving your high expectations. But no one is stepping up and standing out on this team. And I don't know whether that's a concern because it means that that will sustain. Or are they due? Is somebody due to emerge? And I don't know what it's realistic as an observer to expect from this team. The law of averages would, would, would suggest that 
there are some performers that are due to make, like Eric Hendricks is probably due for a big game. Harrison Smith, probably due for a big game. Like Daniil Hunter is just sitting on a huge football game. Uh, the Vikings need that. They need some guys to like wreck and influence these final scores because they're not going to be able to come back every fourth quarter. And it's just not going to happen unless Captain, Captain Clutch, Kirk Cousins, can do this every single week. And who am I to underestimate him? Uh, Locked on Sports Minnesota is your home for Minnesota sports. Endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or subscribe on YouTube for all of our shows. It is free and available. And we are brought to you today as well by Built Bar. I just got a new box and I am loving it. Whenever I need a little uh, pick-me-up, grab a Built Bar. They are good and good for you. Only 160 calories and about 15 grams of protein. I'm especially a big fan of the cookie dough chunk puffs. If you don't have these, you're missing out. You're depriving yourself because they are so good and indulgent and delicious, covered in 100% real chocolate. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Yes, indeed, Built has done it again. Head to Built.com right now. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. Get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKEDON15. Ron Johnson around the corner. How about before we talk to Ron, who has a nerdy stat of the day? Do we have a graphic for that? No, we don't. Not yet. We will someday. Uh, nerdy stats. I'd like to, if I could, if you have it, could you give me a nerdy stat that tells me how bad the Bears are on offense? I'd like a yeah, I, I, Bears. I got one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, okay. It, it's, it's, it goes to Justin Fields, right? This is kind of the focal point of the Bears team and the Bears offense right now. Knock on Fields coming out was he held on to the ball too long in college. You're kind of seeing that carryover, obviously, thus far. His average time it takes him to throw the ball well above league average right now. He's got the most sacks taken in the NFL right now with 11 when the opposing D line doesn't have a positive pass rush win rate, which means even when the O-line's doing their job, He's taken way too many sacks. He's tied for second in the league with most sacks with 16. And I think it boils down to it, like how much of this is on the, uh, the coordinator, the head coach? Because remember, everybody blamed the old regime and staff, but it feels like much of the same, even with the new staff. Or is it just there's not enough talent right now? And in the NFL, you still need talent at the end of the day to win. You need those playmakers, those X factors, because Chicago's wide receivers, check this out, averaging the fifth most yards of separation in the NFL. So you can't just say it's because guys aren't getting open either. That's good. That was nerdy. Nice job, Luke. Arif, what do you got? Uh, that was the nerdiest stat I've ever seen Luke put together. I'm really proud of him. That was really incredible work. Um, Thanks, Dad. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could beat it this week, but, I mean, the student has become the master. No, my, uh, my, my nerdy stat, also related, of course, to Justin Fields, has to do with what NFL Next Gen Stats does um, with uh, their completion rate above expected. So what they do is they determine the likelihood of a completion based on a number of factors, the most important of which is how far downfield a throw is. But they also take into account how close to the sideline that throw is. They take into account whether or not the quarterback is being pressured. They take into account how close the nearest defender or defenders are. Um, they take into account down and distance. They take into account all of these factors using their excellent tracking data to determine how likely it is that someone's going to be able to make a throw or make a completion. And uh, wouldn't you know it, in terms of above or below the expected completion rate, Justin Fields ranks last in the NFL. So even if you take into account the fact that they're under pressure a lot, maybe Justin Fields is holding onto the ball for a good reason. Now, Luke says that, you know, we've got some pretty good evidence that those receivers are getting open. So maybe he's not actually holding onto the ball for a good reason. But in a world where he is, in a world where he's holding onto the ball for a good reason, right? Maybe people aren't getting open. In a world where he's under a ton of pressure every snap, which is not really the case. In a world where he's throwing too far downfield to be consistently making completions, which is not really the case. Even after we account for all of those factors, He's just not making completions. There is nothing there that tells us that he can consistently complete those passes, which might be why, you know, uh, despite being, you know, a quarterback that is among the league leaders in snaps taken, has some of the lowest passing yardage we've ever seen for a starting quarterback um, over the past decade uh, through four games. The Bears just don't want him to throw the ball, and I can see why. So mine is around my favorite thing to gripe about in football, the second and long run. 
which was a special oh. of the Kubiak offenses. Mm-hmm. The one. Bears have 21 such runs this season. That is second second and 10 or longer. For reference, my understanding, the Vikings have... Yep. So my understanding is that they have never thrown the ball on second and 10. They've only run the ball. Wow. Like ever? Not once? Well, this year. But yeah, that's that's my understanding based off of looking at at the charts. Yeah. Wow. If you can stat head that before the show is over, that'd be fascinating to see. Um, The Bears lead the league by far in second and long runs. The Vikings have 10. The Bears have more than twice that. Not only that, but the next closest team to the Bears has 15. So the Bears have run it an astounding amount on second and 10, which as I've written about, I've talked about many times, you're basically setting your offense up for a third and medium to long. Like best case scenario, typically you are accepting the fact that you are going to have a third and medium. You're going to allow the other team to pass rush. You're going to be one dimensional. You're going to, the other team's going to know you're going to pass basically in most cases. Um, Really frustrating to see that when the Vikings do it and the Bears are doing it more than twice as often. That is how bad Bears offense has been. All right, let's hear it. So uh, they have actually thrown the ball, but I was able to look at pass frequency over expected. They are uh, under pass frequency for every single down and distance in the NFL by 8% or more, uh, by down Mm. and distance by 10% or more. On second and short, they've never thrown the ball. That was my mistake. They've only run the ball on second wow. and short. When it's actually the most bad advantageous too. down. That's bad pass too. It. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So yep. uh, they are minus thirty percent compared to the rest of the NFL on both second and short and second and long when it comes to likelihood of uh, throwing or passing. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Now, brutal. I guess if there's any solace as a Bears fan, it's that. They are in rebuild mode. Like, they are not supposed to be good. And, in fact, the two wins they have is probably above their quota. Like, is Matt Averflus, a- uh, you know, hearing from the ownership, like the Dolphins guy, saying, hey, you're winning too many games over here. Let me slip you a, a couple uh, couple stacks to make sure you lose. Um, I'm not accusing anybody. No, I wouldn't do that. But if Ryan Poles had taken over the Vikings – would the Vikings be in rebuild mode also? Because remember, this almost happened. Ryan Poles was almost here. Um, can you guys look into your crystal ball and see like a different world if Ryan Poles takes over this team in Minnesota? Luke? Yeah, tough question. Uh, I don't think so, honestly. It, it, and it's because of the quarterback. I think, you know, he looked at Justin Fields as a window where you're going to get a two-year minimum grace period and said, let's do it right. Let's start from scratch, where as maybe Kirk and the Vikes roster was still in kind of win-now mode, at least, you know, what a lot of people thought anyways, if you if you played your cards right, right? And remember, as bad as the Vikes cap was, heading in, the Bears was even worse. So even more reason to do what he did and just completely strip the whole thing down. But at the end of the day, no, I think – I think personally, he probably would have rolled with the vets and and you know kind of did what he would have had to do here in Minnesota as far as similar to Quasi renegotiating a lot of those vet uh, contracts and things like that, uh, kicking the can down the road a little bit. But uh, good question, tough to say. I don't know. Yeah, Arif. Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly why Poles decided to pick Chicago over Minnesota. Um, I would imagine that one of those reasons might be, you know, that he had a little bit more money. control over, over. Yeah, I, I mean, money <laughs> might be a reason, right? But I think one of the reasons that it might be he had a little bit more control over the roster, right? You know, if the owners are kind of telling the GM candidates, hey, we want to see what you can do with Kirk, that kind of tells you you got to work with Kirk, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, maybe, you know, a Ryan Poles-led Minnesota Vikings team would have found a way to ship Kirk, right? Um, so we would have a completely different, another rebuild moment, right? A completely different Minnesota Vikings uh, roster, one that might be playing as well as the Bears are right now just because they wouldn't have had a quarterback um, to work with. Or maybe we would have Kellen Mond at the helm, see what he could do, which, you know, not a lot of people seem to be, including the rest of the league at this point, not a lot of people seem to be over-enthused by by that prospect. Yeah, Kirk is really the only domino that matters because if you move on Kirk and – we have to remember how real this seemed like the KOC was refusing in every interview 
to talk about Kirk's future, to commit himself to Kirk. Like, this was definitely on the table. It, it didn't happen. The classic, he's currently was... under contract response. Yeah. <laughs> yep, he's, he's going to be in the building tomorrow. So, yeah, we're excited to have him for now. But <laughs> if Kirk had been dealt, then, then the dominoes fall. Then Daniil gets traded. Then you're not going to restructure guys like um, what Kendricks and Thielen had their money moved down the road. You're not making some of those deals. They would definitely, I yeah, think... and and free agents like Harrison Phillips and Zedaria Smith would not have mm-hmm. been enticed to come over. Mm-hmm. Correct. Good point. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, it really did revolve around Kirk. He was the linchpin. Now, if Kirk did come back, would they be where where they are now with polls? Maybe. Maybe not. I mean, I do think ownership has had influence here, and I think Arif, you mentioned roster control. If polls heard from ownership in the interview process that, hey, we want to be competitive every year. We don't want to rebuild. Maybe that, to him, was too high of an expectation. It was an unrealistic expectation, and he said, I'll go to the place where I'm going to have that grace period that Luke mentioned. That makes sense to me. That does make sense. And I think we probably know know more now that the Wilfs don't want to rebuild. And it's not been said directly, but I think we suspect that that's their philosophy. And that's what Quazy had to do, um, which might explain why Poles did what he did. Just saying. Should have Ron Johnson here any moment. <clears throat> Big frog in my throat. Uh, make sure to check out Amazon Fire and Roku apps for Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's a great viewing experience. On Amazon Fire and Roku, you get all of our programming. That's Superior Sports Talk, Minnesota Football Party, the Ron Johnson Show, and the postcasts after Wild, Wolves, Vikings, and Twins games. Pour one out for Brandon Warren and Nash Walker. The postcast is over this year for MLB. They did like 150 of them for a team that completely quit down the stretch. Rest in peace, 2022 Twins. That was tough. Um, As we await the arrival of one Ron Johnson, uh, we also pour one out for his Gophers, who last lost on Saturday against Purdue. Very sad. And previewing the gambling segment, by the way, we have a new leader in the gambling segment. Uh, remember, it's a thousand mythical dollars. We make a pick against the spread and an over/under every week. And I've taken the lead. I've taken the lead by sixty-five cents. I lead Luke Braun, who lost a little money this week and then dipped just below me. So I'm eight oh eight ninety-two. Braun is eight oh eight twenty-seven. Luke Inman had a tough week. Or went out for Luke Inman. $200 lost on both of his bets. You lost about half your bankroll. You doing okay today? I'm fine. We'll bounce back. Okay. We'll, ba- we'll bounce Optimist. back. I'm not doing Optimist. good. I, I, I'm worried, actually. I'm freaking <laughs> out. I don't like this. I don't like it. Uh, and I earned the last. most money this week. I, I earned the most money this That's week. That's true. He did. Both as, yep. in terms of total dollars and a percentage of bankroll. So that should be a you. Well, you're the only one that earned money. The rest of us lost money. Right. So yes, that, that helps. That's accurate. good. Yeah. You're on the comeback trail. Yep. Um, your overall this record is, is two happens. and six. The rest of us are like three and five, three, four, and one. So we're all, we're all on the struggle bus. Two and six? I mean, I can't talk. Six. I just lost 400 bucks, but holy smokes. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. It, it I was, want to see one bad bet and then a bunch of small bets that also didn't work out. <laughs> I love it. Arif, you've typically been a really good performer in this, so I am scared of you like going forward. I still think you're a threat, so I would love to bury you um early. <laughs> but what do you guys think about my suggested ga- punishment for the loser? So at end of season, end of regular season, the loser will be videotaped going through a combine of the winner's choosing. It has to be outdoors, in the snow, in full football garb, and the drills you do are whatever we feel like we will make you do. And it will be posted online, and you will be ridiculed from that point on. Noodle on that. Think about that scenario as we bring in Ron Johnson here. Um, on the Minnesota Football Party. Good morning, Ron of the Ron Johnson Show. How you doing this morning? I'm good. How's it going? Hey, it's going all right. Um, so why can't the Bears find the right quarterback? 
I mean, it's it's year after year, it's decade after decade, and and Justin Fields, everyone's talking about him. We've been talking about him all week on your show. Um, they just can't figure it out. What is it about that Bears organization? Uh, I don't know if it's the organization as a whole. Um, I mean, Rex Grossman got him to a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, they they try to 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 fit some guys here and there. But at the end of the day, you know, they tried the Jay Cutler experience. I think that was okay for a little bit. And then he, you know, kind of fell apart. But honestly, I, I'm going to go to scheme. I think the Bears have been so predicated on defense for so long. Um, the offense got overlooked. Uh, but if you look at, I mean, teams that went out and got their quarterback still couldn't win. When you look at the Lions, they had Matthew Stafford, who's a Super Bowl champion quarterback. But they couldn't win with Matthew Stafford. So, Honestly, it's like I'm starting to believe that winning a Super Bowl is truly like uh, an experiment that has to go right. Like it has to everything has to form and work right, because if you go back to the Bill Belichick's, they never really had like a true uh, like number one receiver, you know, other than Randy Moss when they tried that out and they still end up losing the Super Bowl to Eli Manning. Um, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a year with John Gruden. Uh, they had a great defense that Tony Dungy had built. They, they, you know, bought. They had Brad Johnson. They had Keyshawn, who didn't play that year due to like arguments with the team, and they went out and won a Super Bowl. So, it, it. I think from a quarterback standpoint with the Bears, um, it's scheme. I, I, I truly believe it's scheme. I truly believe like if they were to go get a running back, because they haven't had a running back in a while that when you say we have a true running game and I think that's where they struggle and then Courtney Cronin was on the Ron Johnson show uh this week and she mentioned offensive line like and then Brock Vereen as well was on the Ron Johnson show yesterday said the same thing like offensive line like Justin Fields doesn't have time uh to throw the ball and the ball the game's already fast and then you have to speed it up because you're like man I really only have two seconds um it, it comes down to that because you look at Ohio State he had a great offensive line for college uh, and he did just fine. So I, I got to believe it's it's offensive line play plus the, the lack of a running game is not allowing their quarterbacks to kind of take over. Luke? Yeah, uh, Ron, everyone's just kind of banking on and leaning into the fact that, you know, the Vikes offense and defense, they're struggling because they're brand new systems. And maybe it was foolish to think that, you know, they were never going to hit the ground running, so to speak. Now it's great to see them win games in the meantime, for sure, but tough to say with confidence that it's probably sustainable at this point. How much of the offense and defensive struggles, just as a former player yourself in the league, do you think has to do with the new systems in place, the new verbiage, et cetera? And how confident are you they're substantially going to get better as we continue to move forward? Or is there a chance, and I'm talking about maybe the defense specifically here, that maybe they're just not as good as we all expected to be. And guys like, you know, Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Pat P, maybe they're just getting a little long in the tooth and just not the same guys we're used to seeing. That is the longest question I've ever had in my life. Um, Thank you. I'm going to go with the first part. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> From the one exciting guy on the football party. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start with the first part. So I'd say from an offensive standpoint, uh, there is a lot of verbiage, but I think they are finding a way. So if you look at the Rams and, and Cooper Cup, they forced the ball to Cooper Cup, 20 targets, and they still couldn't really get the offense going. Uh, the year before that, he had OBJ, he had uh, Cooper Cup, and he had Van Jefferson. So he was able to facilitate and pass the ball around. Now it seems like with Allen Robinson, I don't know if they just don't get along or the play calling isn't working to like Allen Robinson's favor. It just seems forced. Um, so when you think about the Vikings offense, Kevin O'Connell has that same mindset, but he also has to realize like, you know what? I do have Justin Jefferson, but I also have Adam Thielen. I have KJ Osborne. I have Irv Smith. I have a running back, which the Rams never had a Dalvin Cook or an Alexander Madison. Like Alexander Madison could go to the Rams right now and be the starting running. And so when you think about that luxury to have two running backs that could both be starters for the Rams, I think Kevin O'Connell's trying to learn, like, what does this run game look like? What, how do we get to the run to then pass? And how do we pass to then set up the run? Like, what does that look like? And he's figuring it out every day. Like, okay, this is what I saw. This is how I can get Dalvin Cook going. The Bears have given up 183 yards on the ground a game. 
So if they don't run the ball against the Bears, they're not going to run the ball this season. Uh, this is definitely a team Dalvin Cook could have a 150-yard game against. Alexander Madison can pile on another 80 yards. Um, and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen might have a quiet day of three to four catches each. Um, but, you know, big plays here and there because of the play action. So I, I think this has to be a run game thing. I think the offense, they're figuring it out. Defensively, that's just a smack you in the mouth thing. And then if there's no gap integrity or if you're in some sort of exotic look where you have four guys outside of the guards, and we've seen that before, with the linebackers inside, but off the line, you're allowing the guard and the center to get upfield very fast, wall off the guys helping the tackles, and then go up quick. And now the run lanes are there. Uh, and then vice versa, when you play action off that, you have the linebackers have to respect it because they're like, crap, they just got eight yards on us on this play, and it was third nine, so we have to respect it. And then they're running the play action, whether it's the deep over or the shallow behind a play action. Um, that's the that's I think where the defense is trying to figure it out. Like, what does this three four really look like? How are we going to attack? At the end of the day, it comes down to first and second down. It sounds real cliche, but they've got to get better on first and second down so that they can continue to force those third longs. Because when they're doing that, they're really good. But when they're in third and four and less, they're not that good. And I think that's where and I say not that good. It's just giving offenses a ton of plays to run. That's the issue. As far as the long and the tooth thing goes, because I know you asked a lot of questions, Luke, so I'm answer them all. Uh, as far as the long and the tooth thing goes, uh, I'm still going to go with no. I think Harrison Smith is still one of the best safeties out there. I think Patrick Peterson can still cover. Now, is he a shutdown island corner anymore? Probably not. But in this scheme, he's definitely can play cover two man. He can play the deep third. He can play the deep quarter. Um, he, he moves well. He still is running step for step with a lot of these receivers. Some of the double move stuff does get him. Um, and he doesn't have that quick hip twitch like he used to, but I think he's just fine. And Eric Kendricks, again, I think just still playing well. So uh, I think the play is going to come from these D tackles. I think that's what we want to see, like the nose guard D tackles. Like, can they start to Akeem Hicks this thing or Adamican Sue this thing? Like, create, have Aaron Donald it, you know, create havoc to where they're just, even if they're not making the play, they're getting in there so fast, everybody's just off. And they're making the play jump or the quarterback's getting spooked. Um, that's the things I think we need to see from the defensive line. And I'll try to keep this question a little bit shorter then. <laughs> yeah, we're almost out of time. My fault. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so the Vikings are three and one. They certainly don't feel like a three and one team. And my question is whether that's going to be an area of concern, whether it's possible for a Vikings team to be kind of complacent. I remember when they were five and zero in 2016 and then ended up with an eight and eight season. I think that there were a lot of deficiencies on that team that were pretty easy to see, but uh, covered up by the fact um, that, that they were undefeated. Does it feel like that that's a possibility here? Uh, they don't seem like a three and one team to who you, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to, to a lot of people, not just me, Ron. Not just me. I'm, I, that's that's bad juju you throwing out there. I don't know who's. I, they're a three-one team to me. Why? Because they lost to the only undefeated team in the NFL. They also beat a really good Saints team. They beat a Lions team who are literally probably seven plays away from being three and one themselves. Um, you you look at the Packers who are really good, and the Vikings beat them. So whether it was a fluke or not, game one they beat the Packers. This is a three and one team. I truly believe they are a good three and one team. Hey, so Ron uh, Johnson got it. I, I'm good. <laughs> the one thing this is what I'll say. This is what I'll say. The fact that the games are close and they're not dominating, people question that. Like how sustainable. I know that was a Luke's fifteenth question in that question. Is it sustainable? Um, so I'm gonna answer Luke again with a, a Reese question. Uh, I think it is sustainable to a point because if they win the Super Bowl by a field goal, who cares if they go this entire season 11 and six and they, you know, they ended up winning every game by a field goal. We can say the whole season like, man, I don't know how they're doing this, but they're doing it. They go 11 and six and then they win the Super Bowl by a field goal or they win an NFC championship by a field. Who cares? Like, I, I think what this team is showing is they're resilient. Uh, they're not shutting down in big moments. Uh, they're able to bounce back. As PJ Fleck would say, I want to see them fail. And how do they react to the failure? Like failing is okay, but being a failure and quitting is not. Um, and so they failed. They've lost to the Eagles and then they're bouncing back. They've given up big plays to the Saints. They missed an extra point where everybody in the old Vikings era, oh crap, extra point missed. 
They're going to lose us in overtime. I guarantee it. You can see the tweets. You can see the comments. And the Vikings still won uh, because their kicker had faith in himself because the coaches had faith in him, and they bounced back. So I think the culture change for me is what makes me believe this 3-1 team is 3-1, and and I'll take it. I totally believe in this team, Ron. 3-1 and one, through and through. I've got no <laughs> doubts. Uh, last one, we were debating this earlier in the episode. Who is the most impressive Viking through four games? Is it Justin Jefferson or is it someone sneakier on this roster? Who stood out to you? Um, I'm going to go with, well, Justin Jefferson I think is an easy one, but also he's had some games where he got shut down, so I can't really say completely impressive. Like, uh, I'm going to go sneaky with this one and go Cam Bynum. I think Cam Bynum, uh, being, you know, when he had, we had him on the Ron Johnson show. If you haven't seen that, go back and watch. He talks about wanting to play to the field. So I actually watch that now. I watch that he's always trying to be the wide side safety because he wants to cover tight ends. He wants to cover the running back coming out the backfield. And so when you see that, because he's a former cornerback, and he said it doesn't go away. And uh, when you see him do those things, you're like, man, he is actually really eliminating some of these secondary tight end options, uh, these secondary running back out the backfield options for the quarterback, uh, the the nickel stuff coming up and, and helping out the other receiver on the other side. So uh, he's been really impressive for the fact that he hasn't missed tackles. He's he's shot the gap when he saw and read it and, and broke up a big play against the, uh, I think it was the Lions on that fourth down. Uh, like Cam Bynum has been really, because we were just assuming Lewis seen it was his job. But that's why Lewisine couldn't get on the field is because Cam Bynum has been good. Like, if I'm a DB coach, I can't just say I drafted him the first round and get out there. It's like, well, damn, this dude is balling over here. Um, like, why would I take him out? He's on a heater. It's like asking the guy to get up from the poker table and he's hit pocket aces seven times. Like, no, just, hey, stay. Your wife will be she'll, – she'll make, she'll make it up to you later. Like, you'll make it up to her later after you win. Like, don't – like, it's like a guy with the dice. Never talk to a guy that's rolled seven sevens. 77 sevens. If you don't remember the Dave Chappelle show, that was Ashley Larry. <laughs> Ashley Larry once rolled Larry. 77 sevens, <laughs> but then he spent it all on PCP and champagne. Uh, <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like Cam Bynum is on a heater right now. You cannot, I mean, if, if Rocco Baldelli was Cam Bynum's coach, he would have taken Cam Bynum out. Because we know if there's no hitter, he's going to take the pitcher out. So leave Cam Bynum in. He's 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 throwing a great game. He's playing a great game. And so he's my sneaky favorite that I think has been really positive. Because, again, he kept a first-rounder off the field. I like that take, Ron. I appreciate that. He's at 3Ron Johnson, the Ron Johnson Show host, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and the Roundtable on Fridays, and our guest every Thursday. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. See you, Ron. See you, Ron. Talk to you soon. Okay, uh, before we gamble, how do we feel about the loser's punishment? Combine uh, in the winter, I, in the I snow? I like it, and I'm sufficiently terrified of it, so. You should be. Yeah. That's good. Oh, actually, no, I, I feel do, like Ron would be question. on board. Uh, when you say NFL garb, does that mean someone's going to have to find pads, or how is that going to work out? Yeah, we'll have to figure that one out. I think okay. that helmet, I think helmet is a must. You have okay. to learn you have to carry your pads. I think jersey, so you look like a football player, and maybe some right. pants. Maybe not pads, because you're probably going to have like a coat on underneath. Right. I think part of the, the humiliation is that you're going to have to try to do athletic things while wearing while a lot goofy. of clothing. Yeah, I think we got to go all in. We got to go Johnny Menzel pro day style and, and, and get the full garb top to bottom on the headbands. I'll, I'll, the sweatbands, I'll chase people around with a broom. Cleats. That's going to be, gonna be <laughs> yeah, so long please. as I'm not the loser. It's going to be, I'm going to be, there you go. I love, people it. Around. I love it. Yeah. No, I'm in. Um, I like it, Sam. Very creative. Cool. Pretty funny. Makes for great content. I'm in approved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for it. And I, I guess I'm not, it, it will not be fun if I'm the loser, but it will be funny to me. I won't have to sweat. I won't have to be absolutely, like, devastated at what I'm about to do. Arif, you start. Minimum 50, maximum 500. You get one spread. You get one over-under. 
and you have um, 400 some odd dollars to work with. All right, I wrote down which ones I want to bet, but I didn't actually write down who they were playing against. So give me one second. Um, okay, uh, I think actually I don't love the spreads. I do want to highlight one that stood out to me. It's not a bet I'm taking. It's um, Steelers plus 14. Uh, that one against the Bills minus 14. I just think that that one's really funny. Um, obviously, the Steelers are playing a rookie quarterback against you know what you know could be the best team in the league. So I, I get why that spread is there, but that's very funny. Um, I think I'm going to start with an over-under, though, and then I'll let the spread come to me, as it were, in the draft. Um, so I don't understand how this is where it's at, but the Miami-New uh, York Jets over-under is at 46. Um, and, uh, I mean, Miami is, is, is probably going to start Teddy, is my guess. New York is probably going to start Zach Wilson, uh, who, like, threw two picks, probably should have thrown two more. Um, it's just, like, these are not, like explosive offenses so to have an, a league-wide average over under is wild to me so i'll take the under 46 at minus 110 i'm gonna bet god i need to be aggressive to get out from under it but that, that's that's tough i hate over unders um i'm gonna bet 350 dollars oh minus let's 110 let's go yeah, i love it i love it okay so arif if you go into the negative we are gonna have to come up with some punishment for you with an additional so you know i understand that. Yeah. Okay. He understands you're, you're to take the consequences. He gets it. Yep. yep. So Luke Braun was responsible enough to send in his picks to me, and he would like me to go with Lions plus three at Patriots. Can we make sure, someone, that that is still the line? Yeah, I see three. Plus three, yep. Okay. And is it – what's the – what are the odds on it? I think it's minus 136. Uh, so Lions plus three, it's plus 100 here on Bet Online. Oh, maybe oh. this is plus 136? Okay. Plus 100 then? Yeah, and Braun is going to put $100 on it. That leads us to Sam Ekstrom. So I was going to do Lions Patriots over. Can't do that anymore. Braun took it out from under me, even though he's not here. I think I like the uh, Seahawks. The way Geno Smith is playing, as bad as the Saints are right now, I'm going to take the Seahawks plus five and a half to yeah, cover. Yeah, that's probably the best one. That's a good one. The odds are minus 108, and I'm going to put $148 on it. And, Luke, you get to pick two. Okay. Yeah. Um, Arif kind of highlighted that Steelers-Bills game. The over-under is 46. I think the Bills will put up points. I think think Kenny Pickett will spark a little bit more uh, rejuvenation in that offense, even if they do get blown out, maybe some garbage points at the end. George Pickens is starting to heat up a little bit. Um, I'm going to take the over in that Bill Steelers game of 46, and I'm going to stay consistent. I'm going to go $200 again. And then coming back, I, I've kind of – I've been riding and dying with the Jaguars, and so far I've been dying. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> now they play the Texans. And I'm seeing minus seven. So they're supposed to win by a touchdown. I love the Jags going into this season just in general. I thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be rejuvenated now that Urban Meyer was out. And Doug Peterson, he's got a real coach. Seven points is an awful lot. Um, but I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to stay consistent. I'm going to go with the Jags minus seven. I don't know when the last time they've been favored by seven points. I'm going to go with that one. And I'm going to stay consistent again. I'm going to go with 200 bucks. Jags, one more week, one more time. Daddy's due. Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Come on. Jags minus seven. Um, you'll have to help me out. I don't know what the odds are on that. Minus 110, something like that? Minus 102. So, yeah, okay. minus 102 is what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got to do an over-under for my second pick. This has been a little tricky for me this year. Never my strength. Over-under is usually an issue for me. Um, how about the Eagles? and Cardinals. I mean, that just screams high-scoring game in Arizona. Don't have to worry about the weather. Over 49. Eagles-Cardinals. And I will put $132 on it. Okay, that leads us to Luke Braun. Luke Braun, let's see, his second choice was Falcons-Bucks under 48, and I think he gets it. Falcons-Bucks under 48, $100. 
And the odds on that are a robust. Hold on. Are I, I, I got to point out here. Dynamic. Uh, I'm just on betonline.net. Uh, I see it at 46 and a half. That is correct. Slash odds. That is correct. I don't know how that works. I don't know if he still wants it. I don't know if he'd give you a plan C in case one of them was picked. I don't know if we just roll with it, but. 49ers Panthers over 38 and a half is what he had. So what's that at? Oh. 49ers Panthers. Minus 115. Minus 115. Is it 38 and a half still? It is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do that. Over 38 and a half. 49ers Panthers. All right, Arif, close us out. All right, so uh, I said I didn't like the spreads. You did take my top two spread picks, but because I'm not confident in them, it's not too big of a deal. Um, I think I'm going to take the Chargers. I think I am going to take the Chargers uh, minus two and a half against the Browns. I actually do not understand why it's this close, uh, which means that I am clearly missing something and I'm about to lose a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> but... But, you know, I trust Justin Herbert more than At least you understand right, yeah, yeah. going in. I trust Justin Herbert more than I trust Jacoby Brissett. I like Jacoby Brissett a lot. Um, and I think Herbert is more likely to get better than worse. I think Brissett's more likely to get worse than better. Um, and these run games are just not that sustainable in terms of generating points. So minus 110, and I'm going to put in – I was going to put in 400. I'm going to put in $300. 300 for a reef to close it out. Thank you, guys. Good picks. Uh, best of luck this weekend. We close the show with our party fouls. Let's run it. I'm just going to revisit Kirk Cousins saying that he was empowered by wearing Christian Derrissaw's chain. That's just, not a party foul. Just I don't know. It was just it was just a. More, it was like a nerdy foul. Like, Kirk Cousins, you are just an interesting individual. Um, I think it's okay that he was given the chain. I just think that he's funny when he talks about it. And he's like a little boy seeing the world for the first time. The naivety <laughs> is so adorable that That's it just doesn't belong in an foul. NFL locker room. <laughs> what do you mean? Jalen Waddle's dance is to Waddle. I think I think being endearing and adorable is the is the new meta in the NFL. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I'll go next, mate. Um, yeah, uh, just so just so that Luke doesn't steal it from me because I I know I know that this could potentially be on his mind. But I'm going to go with the Gophers. You already mentioned it, Sam, but I was already going to go with the Gophers. Uh, you know, raising expectations, getting some votes even in the poll, uh, and uh, and falling flat against Purdue. Um, I, I guess it's bad to be ranked and go against Purdue. Would have been nice to have Purdue a little bit earlier in the schedule, but that's on the Gophers. Um, they made a couple of mistakes, missed a couple of field goals, threw a couple of bad passes, um, couldn't get the run game going at all. Uh, I understand that uh, Ibrahim was was injured, but like that is a great set of running backs that you have, a really good offensive line. You can't get the running game going against Purdue. That's rough, man. I cannot believe this. The 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 division or whatever we're calling it is wide open and you just to fall flat. Ugh. That's a good one. You definitely did steal mine. So I'm kind of winging one right now. Um, sure. You know, half the team uh, making fun of Christian Derrissaw because he's on some logs. Come on, go easy on him, man. Um, but I'm going to go with last week. I went with the guy who dropped the Aaron judge home run ball. Mr. Lasagna. I think his name was, um, Today, I'm going to go with the guy who you would think I would go with the guy who caught it because it turns out he's already getting like a $2 million offer. It turns out he's like works for like this billion dollar hedge fund. It's like, okay, rich get oh, richer. But oh, really? that's, not the, oh, nope, that's not the angle I'm going. Did you see the guy, the fan in the stands who jumped out of the stands to try to catch that home run ball and wasn't even close? I'm talking we're like 15 yards away. And for some reason, he jumped out of the stands we're talking like a 15-foot drop. I don't even know if he's okay. Somebody's got to do a welfare check on that guy. But if you haven't seen the video, like most of my party falls, you got to go it's back rough. and check it out. It's, it's good. Rough. I have a theory on it. I have a theory. So you know how there was a railing, right? And then there was like, I assume it was the bullpen or some kind of open area down okay. below. So if you, that you guy thought that planned, he was – okay. He saw the ball – flying toward that direction and it was very close like if it was five feet lower 
that ball is rattling around in that area. Thought it bounced so around. The first and you one scoop it up. to jump yeah. in Down to the pit. Yeah. Then he's going to probably get the ball. I, I see the logic, assuming okay. that that was his plan. Well, knowing that's not how it uh, ended up panning out, it's pretty hilarious now. Again, the drop off huge, but you got to go <laughs> yeah. check it yes. out. It's funny. Yes. Yeah. Uh, broken bones, you think? You think that guy got a couple of, of broken bones? I think Vegas has it at uh, one and a half over under broken bones for sure. <laughs> would would you would you That's take a long uh, would would you take a risk of one and a half broken bones for the chance for the two million dollar ball? Absolute two million dollar ball, absolutely. <laughs> I think we all would, wouldn't we? Come on, I it's it's on my brain, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, certainly, it covers the deductible. I think so. I, I should be good. <laughs> buy a new and ankle. You can sue buy a new the ballpark. I need. Yeah. 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 The there railing wasn't high enough. Yeah. What are you guys doing? Yeah. Yeah. You need more padding. <laughs> uh, game predictions, Vikings and Bears. I need a final score. Arif? Uh, what, Vikings are favored by seven. I'll take them by ten. Um, it's going to be low scoring. Let's say it's uh, it's 20 to 10. I don't know. Luke? Yeah, over under 44. Bears offense stinks. So just watch Justin Fields throw for 300 yards, run one in, pass for two. Um, I think it's a little bit more high scoring than we're all thinking it's going to be. Dalvin Cook hopefully gets Cook in here. I'll take the Vikes by six. I'll go 30-24. 33-19. Vikings win. Weird scores only. Thanks for watching the Minnesota Football Party this week. Uh, Luke Braun should join us from Europe next week, or back from Europe, I should say. Arif Hassan, Luke Inman, I'm Sam Ekstrom. Check us out on Twitter, like, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Locked On Sports Minnesota, and check out the postcast after Sunday's game with Luke Braun and yours truly. Uh, Matt DeBritz directed the show. Thanks for watching and listening. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.